Christmas is over? Is that a sigh of relief? Is that a, is that a time to relax? Maybe a little disappointed, maybe a little melancholy, right? The big letdown that's been building up in Hobby Lobby since August, right? I went into Walmart the other day. I think it was on Christmas Eve and there was already Valentine's stuff. I mean, I had just gotten over the stress of finding something for her for Christmas and I got to worry about Valentine's Day. Crying out loud. Huh. <laughs> All right, she owes you a 20. Um, but you've heard me say often that Christmas is, is more than a day or even a season, right? Christmas is a gift that was given once and for all. And I don't mean it was once and done. Rather, it was in the same spirit of Jesus' final words on the cross to tell us that, right? It is finished, ongoing, ever finished, continually being finished. And, and this is the type of eternity that God gives when he talks about eternal things and, and kingdom things. And, and even if we think back to the early exchanges between Moses and God, who were to read Exodus 3, 13, 14, Moses said to God, suppose I go to the Israelites and say to them, the God of your fathers has sent me to you. And they ask me, what is his name? Then what shall I tell them? Right? Moses was given a, a large task, this this plain everyday man you know he's just now becoming a prophet because it's the first time he's really meeting God and he's been given this instruction he says who am I supposed to say you are in verse 14 God says to Moses I am who I am and that also means you know um other words look at that it says it's it this is what you are to say to the Israelites I am has sent me to you. I am. I am who I am and if you were to look at the original words aye asher aye it's one of those words that has so much meaning. It could be, I am who I am. I was who I was. I will be who I will be. And because these words are exchangeable, it's all kinds of combinations. I am who I was. I, I am who I will be. I was who I will be. He's all of these things. It's ongoing. I am. I am. God is unchanging and that is his promise. To me, that is a relief. No changing standards, no competing standards, no ambiguous guidance, no moving targets, no, no goals that, that you can't focus on or know what the expectation is. So when we aren't nailing it, when we aren't doing it right, we're simply either not facing the target or not applying the effort to reach it. That's the hamartia we talked about, right? The, think of the archer. Right, the, the arrow has to go to the target and it has to go far enough. We have to put enough effort. Since God is not moving that target, there's some responsibility on our side. Right? Today's January 1st, 2023, the new year. It is, it is the end of a good or a bad or, or, or mediocre year perhaps for you. Maybe it's just a tumultuous one. Maybe it's been a quiet one. But are you facing the new year with hope, anxiety, apprehension, inhibition, joy? Are you hoping that things will finally get back to normal, whatever normal looks like to you? Because it's been a hard couple of years in several respects. But friends, God wants you to have his kingdom perspectives, eternal, infinite perspective, and enjoy the continuity of his plan as he is offering it. I'm not saying today is, is not a good benchmarking time. Perhaps just as a reference in your personal history. Remember 2023? Remember 2020? Ugh, right? Dumpster fire of a year that was. Right? <laughs> so there are moments in time. But God has this continuous plan. And these are marking tick marks. But it's not, you know, 2022 is over. I hope you, you check the box. And 2023, it all starts over. No, it's, it's continuous. It's infinite. It is ongoing. Ongoing. 
but the good and important suffering life and for your life is already in motion. If you're keeping your eyes on Jesus and have your mind, body, and soul open to him and his guidance, this makes everything that has had you better than anything that could be considered back to normal. And this is God's promise for all of his children. And last year, finally said that. I didn't mess up the year. I did say 2023 and last year, which is a joke, right? A couple months ago is really all it was. We did a study on Sunday mornings during our Bible study and discussion time. And it was based on a book called Aha by Kyle Eidelman. And the full title of the book was Aha, The Moment That God Changes Everything. And during these couple weeks, we discovered very quickly this wasn't just the major moments of our life, right? There are some of those, and they absolutely can, can be a turning point in your life or a wake-up, whatever. Whether they're profoundly good or, or overwhelming or devastatingly bad, there are these large aha moments. But we also discovered there were more often a series of smaller moments, or, or some that went relatively unnoticed until we look back at our lives and realize how impactful something was or someone was. Perhaps God whispers your name more often than he throws a brick through your window. And if you're asked, wouldn't you prefer the whisper, right? God, how about just the subtle nudges? How about the gentle reminders, the little ahs, the whispering of my name instead of the, the clobbering that sometimes life gives? But have we been listening Right? Or we put it telling God we need that brick. This morning we're going to take a look at a few examples from God's story as recorded in the Bible of, of people that, that had aha moments or, or made a change. Right, That wasn't just a New Year kind of change, but something happened and things went from their normal to a new normal that's far and better and different, even though at that moment it didn't seem like it. And, and as we are in the Christmas season... I want to start with some of these easy ones, right? Mary, and, and, and you know, if you listen to the, the Christmas message I recorded, you'll know that the story of Mary initially, uh, as far as the birth of Jesus, is, is found in Luke 1, 26 38, right? And it starts by talking about Elizabeth's pregnancy. Again, it's Luke 1, 26 38. And I'm not going to read it in its entirety, but it talks about Elizabeth was in her pregnancy, and God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, to a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. And her name was Mary. And the angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Now, I don't care if it is the most wonderful thing you could think. If, if an angel or anything appeared to me magically, you know, divinely, I would be terrified. And we see this over and over again in, in people that are approached by the Holy Spirit or by the angels. And it says Mary was greatly troubled at, this, at these words. And what, what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. You'll conceive and give birth to a son, and you are to call him Jesus. He'll be great and will be called the son of the most high. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father, David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. And of course, Mary is like, yeah, how could this be? I mean, it's not, it's not possible, right? <laughs> I mean... The Holy Spirit, the, the Holy Spirit will come on you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One will be born, with, will be called the Son of God. And then, and as Mary took all sin, she it ends with this verse thirty it says, "I am the Lord's servant. May your word to me be fulfilled." And the angel left her. Now we know her life was changed forever, right? How do you go back to whatever you're doing before this moment? What about Joseph? And I think we, a lot of times we, we overlook Joseph. And you've probably heard me talk about this a lot, especially this time of year. Joseph's story is Matthew 1, 18 through 25. 
So he's Matthew 1, 1825. And, and the subtitle for this is Joseph accepts Jesus as a son. And, and there's an amount, enormous amount of faith. And I did talk about this at, at Christmas a little more. But, but he was being told that his wife, who, or soon-to-be wife, that, that he'd never been with, right, was pregnant. You know, and, and so he was troubled by that. And the Holy Spirit said, she will birth, bear a son, and, and you are to give him this name. And, and it went on to say that all this took place to fulfill the prophecy that you know, that you've been told. And you will call him Emmanuel, God with us. And so Joseph, you know, we realized who this was, what was going on. And he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him. He took Mary home as his wife. And he gave the name, the son, the name of Jesus. Okay. Again, his life would never be the same. Not just because he became a father, not just because he was getting married, but because he was given a mission. He could never go back to the way it was before. And the shepherds, we definitely know their story, Luke 2, 8 through 20, right? This is, this is if you listen to the Christmas message, this was Linus's monologue about the meaning of Christmas. And we know that these shepherds, again, got the visit and and. They stopped what they were doing and they went to see this Christ child, to see what they had talked about. And can you imagine the enthusiasm, the excitement of the shepherds who went back? It says they turned, they hurried off and found Mary and the baby who was the lion major. When they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what they had been told them about the child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. Wow, they're a part of the story. It says, Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. It says, the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. Wow. Never again would life be the same for the shepherds. Even though they went back to what they were doing, their jobs, they were changed. And they were so enthusiastic. I can only imagine what those conversations were like as everyone they met on the way back said, you, you wouldn't believe what just happened and who we saw and who's been born. And the story of the Magi, Matthew 2, 1 through 12. Matthew 2, 1 through 12. You know, they knew this child was born and they followed the star and they, they found this and they were so moved by what they had seen that they, they went back another way. They weren't going to return to Herod to fulfill the mission that they thought they were given on earth, but to do wonderful and great things having been changed for what they've done. Everyone in that story was changed forever. You can't undo, unsee, unhear, unfeel the magic of the nativity. And that's a part of what we celebrate every year. Now fast forward 30 years or so, and we find Jesus now in his teaching, calling disciples, Mark 1, 16 through 20. Jesus calls his first disciples. It says, as Jesus walked beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and his brother Andrew casting a net in the lake, for they were fishermen. This is what they did. Every day they were fishermen. And Jesus said, come follow me and I will send you out to fish for people, right? Or another translation would say, I will make you fisher of men. At once they left their nets and followed him. When they had gone a little farther, he saw James, son of Zebedee and his brother John in a boat preparing their nets. Without delay, he called them and they left their father Zebedee in the boat with the hired men and followed him. These men came up and followed. And, and the Bible says women were, were too, but we're talking about the disciples here. They would never go back to the normalness, the routine of their life now. And perhaps they were hesitant. Perhaps they thought they would miss it. And perhaps at times they did. 
There was a big task ahead of them. And in Mark 2, 13 through 17, we find Jesus calling Levi and, and, and meeting with other disciples. And, and once again, Jesus went out beside the lake. A large crowd came to him and began to teach him. He began to teach them. As he walked along, he saw Levi, son of Alphaeus, sitting at the tax collector's booth. Follow me, Jesus told him. Levi got up and followed him. It's amazing, these things that, it's not just amazing they got up and, and left. I mean, what a powerful testimony for, for going and following your calling. But everything they had known, they had gone to school for, been trained for, knew to be normal, everything they had built, their reputation, their livelihood and all, would never be the same. And we know what happened to him. Judas, we know what happened to Judas. Andrew, he was a fisherman, a lot of fishermen here. He was Peter's brother. And, and he ended up preaching several places, and he lost his life for his mission. Bartholomew, um, he, was, he preached in India. And um, he also gave the gospel according to Matthew, right? Um, he lost his life for the mission. James, the son of Alphaeus, possibly Matthew's brother, not be confused with the son of Zebedee, right, who we've already read about. But he went around preaching in Jerusalem, lost his life. James, the son of Zebedee, brother of John, he referred to, um, he was one of the ones referred to Jesus, by Jesus as the sons of thunder. He preached throughout Judea, lost his life for the mission. John, the brother of James and the son of Zebedee, again, this is the one that I identified as the one Jesus loves. He wrote the Gospel of John and 1st, 2nd, 3rd John, right? So he's, he's contributed the story through his recordings and his teachings. And, and, and he went on and, and, and died in Ephesus. He was one of the few disciples that did not die a cruel death for his mission, but of old age. Matthew, Levi, this is the tax collector. He wrote the Gospel of Matthew. He died... Um, this of old age, Simon Peter, Philip, Simon the Zealot, Thaddeus, Thomas, Matthias. So all of these went on. They're, they didn't go back to what they were doing before. They carried forth the mission. They were forever changed and bought into this mission of, of sharing the good news of the gospel, having been there for it. And then there's Paul. Paul became an apostle a year after the ascension of Christ, and, and this was beginning in Jerusalem. And, and he, you know, he wasn't one of the original 12. He was actually, there was Matthias. He wasn't one of the original 12, but he had his aha moment, right? On, on, when he was preaching, and, or sorry, he was on to, to persecute Christians and had that moment. So read about that in Acts. And he wanted to preach for, for 35 years, estimated, and, and contributed most of the, the books of the New Testament, Paul's letters, the epistles. Forever change. Talk about a drastic 180 degree change from where he was. Even at the, the death of Jesus, he could never, none of these people could go back to what it was before. And why would they want to? So 12 disciples, so Matthias, who was a replacement to Judas and Paul, so 14 people, each was taken out of the familiar routines of their lives. For some, that was the aha, right? The, the moment when they said, follow me and Okay, we're in, we're in. And some of the aha might have come in over the years that they had spent with Jesus, the things they saw, the, the teachings, just the, the ongoing exposure. But each one was changed and their life was new. Even after the death and resurrection of the Savior, their life would never go back the way it was. It simply could not. And if you've accepted the gift of Christmas, that Jesus Christ is your Lord and Savior, that he came for you, then you too are changed forever. 
There's no going back to the old normal of a sinful life, of pursuing the things that that aren't good, of being outside of God's blessing. And why would you want to go back to that? Paul writes in 2 Corinthians 5.17, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. And other translations, that person is a new creation. The old is gone, the new is here. Of the 14 people that I listed as disciples, one was lost forever, Judas. Nine were martyrs. Four were local missionaries in Jerusalem or Judea. And the rest were foreign missionaries, right? Going outside of the comfort zone to other areas. They left their local surroundings. And, and nine of the 14 of them were, were foreign missionaries and church planters, okay? Certainly a far cry from a fisherman, a tax collector, a carpenter. All of them had been forever given something new, an understanding of God's unconditional love, a living hope, a true joy, and a peace that surpasses all understanding. They were on a new path, just like you are. The calendar changed. Your mission did not. Your blessing did not. Your purpose did not. It's a chance for us to kind of renew ourselves, right? This is, this is when the gyms get busy, all right? All the commercials are out there. This is when the diet and exercise things get, because this is like, okay, I made it to here. No more excuses. But God's saying you never had one. This has been the plan all along to honor me, to serve others, to take care of yourself. On the night that Jesus was born, the world was changed forever. Not put on a new path, per se, because it has always been our unchanging plan or God's unchanging plan to restore our relationship with him. But we have a firm, well-marked path to salvation made possible. So January 1st, 2023, it's no longer 22. It's no longer Christmas. No longer Christmas. That's, I'd argue that, right? Christmas isn't about the day, the holiday, the decoration. It's no longer Christmas. I think, that's, I think that's a real disservice if we think that Christmas is over. Now we'll put away the decorations, but all of the good things of Christmas came and remained. That is that infinite goodness of the season. And if you'd indulge me, listen to the words of a singer, songwriter, and, and just dynamic storyteller by the name of Matthew West. This is a song that I pull out every year at this time because the song could not tell it any better, and I certainly couldn't tell it any better than, than what we're about to hear. Christmas is over Here comes the meltdown And there goes the cheer But before we have a breakdown Let us remember The light of the world is still here Happy day after Christmas And merry the rest of the year Even when Christmas is over Over and I'll settle for spring 
Christmas is over, the light of the world is still here. Or as that quote from Helen Center Rice said, can you go back because I didn't memorize it? <laughs> Sorry. Oh, <I'm> sorry. <laughs> no, it's okay. Peace on earth will come to stay when we live Christmas every day. I love that. Let's make that our prayer. Would you join me, please? Heavenly Father, as we take down the wreaths and put down Let's take down the stockings and the lights, and as the song so hilariously said, we return those sweaters. The light of the world is still here. It's not just any other day. It's a very special day, Christmas. But it wasn't a once and done. It was a once and forever. We have a hope, a living hope. We have real joy. We have real peace. We can experience real love because of everything that we think of with Christmas. And that Christmas remains with it. We thank you for that. Lord, may all we do honor and please you. And may we be truly, truly changed by what we hear and think and believe and know about you. And I can't imagine why we'd ever go back. Would you please slam that door behind us as we move forward in our faith? and our thinking, our caring, our loving, our forgiveness, and all that entails, to be more like Jesus Christ, so to be that light for others in this place. 
so the peace on earth can come and stay because we know that Christmas is here to stay as well. It's in your son's name we pray. Amen.